1: You've got a parking spot in South London? Wow, hey. No, we don't. There's four parking spots in the building and you can apply for them. And there's about 300 people who live here. So good luck. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Rainstop Play. We've got a great episode today, mainly talking about the England-India result, uh, which is why, wherever Dan is today, I'm hosting. Because, frankly, the less I have to say about India, the better. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined today by Glenn and Zach. Glenn, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to this, for once. (laughs) For once? Well, exactly. We've finally got some happy England fans on the podcast. Zach, how are you feeling?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've... uh... Yeah, it was really nice to watch England win. I, I played my last cricket game of the season last week, which is, I know, it's sad that it was the last game, but we won. I won my first game of the season as I posted in our chat, which was, yeah, which was nice. Scored 38 and bowled a wicket maiden at one point. So, you know, that's, that's all we need to say. We don't need to talk about the strike rate or the other overs, but we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Fantastic.
1: Well, congratulations. The podcast is is massively going to miss your your weekly cricket update. We'll have to send you to India or something to play some franchise leagues. Happily. Um, so, as I said, we're going to talk mainly about that England-India Test, of course. Uh, but a couple bits of news before we get to that. Um, first, just an update on where we left off last week. We talked about the. Uh, Yorkshire report into racism concerning uh, Azeem Rafiq Um, and we did say that the longer they leave this the worse the problem is going to get for Yorkshire Uh, here we are a week later and I can confirm that they have left it Uh, we have no news on that Um, so (laughs) thank you you, Yorkshire the other great news just came out this morning breaking news hot off the press Uh, Liam Plunkett is off to America Glenn do you want to talk us through this
3: yeah, um, so I'm actually yeah excited to chat about this. Um, so, yep, Liam Plunkett, obviously he's he's had a pretty um... Or well, inconsistent. I think that is that is part of um, part of his background for England. That he's had you know fantastic moments playing for the country, um, but he's also been in and out of the side. And you, you could probably argue failed to really hold down a starting place in in any in any format. But he's had absolute bright sparks, and he's been always been a reliable bowler um, for us. Um, I'd say as a as a country. And yeah, I think he's about 37 now, and he has decided to depart. Uh, England and uh, starting next season travel over to America uh, for season two of the uh, minor league cricket championship we're currently about halfway through um, the first season there's around 27 teams apparently there's a lot um, of, of teams it's brand new been going a couple of weeks um, and it's T20 um, in America which is exciting for me obviously I'm here would you believe it? There's no Iowa Invincibles, so I've been unable to get to a game, which is a little bit frustrating as there is, again, 27 teams. They probably could have done one here. Uh, the competition's currently split across Eastern, Central, Southern, Western. Um, yeah, and it's hard to judge how successful it's been so far. We've been discussing just before we went on air that the the official Twitter page for the competition's been working hard. They've had they've had a lot of highlights, a lot of uh, you know clips like top ten, similar to the stuff about the hundred that we saw on the BBC. Um, if you, you know those real highlights cut together quickly but it's failed really to gather much twitter traction just you know a sprinkling of likes here and there which is a bit of a shame because i do feel like they're putting the legwork on there um but yeah blunkett is also going to be playing in the first major um league cricket tournament which is going to have six franchises so i think i'd probably argue and that's that hasn't started yet he'll be playing in that first season and i think just from reading this and getting a slight feel for the, the current tournament, the major league cricket one is going to feel a bit more similar to perhaps the IPL and probably to be fair, hundred hundred um, with only those six franchises because 27 for me straight off the bat does feel like a lot, but yeah, I'm excited. He's delighted um, because he has uh, an American wife and in there's a really good piece in the independent we can link to it that was the inspiration for the story and they covered it really nicely um and he said that they've been together for years but they've barely spent i don't think they've spent more than three months together across a year um in that time with with her working in america and him traveling the world because he has played for many franchises uh they said i think it was the last christmas he spent by himself uh in a hotel in bangladesh playing in the bangladesh premier league so yeah i think it's great for him it's really interesting for us i mean it gives us as um, you know, obviously an English pod, uh, a focal point with American cricket, and he's also going to be doing a couple, uh, a bit of coaching as well. Although one of my favourite uh, notes uh, I took from the article is that um, one of the places, one of the high performance testing centres or training centres he's going to be playing at uh, hasn't been built yet, so <laughs> we're, there, we're waiting for that. Uh, but really interesting, um, and there's been a couple of players that have popped up uh, that we haven't expected to uh, in the current in the current uh, tournament. So. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, We we probably will do a pod uh, in the near future about the state of cricket in the US. We want to get an expert on um, as soon as I uh, try and get on to arranging that, especially as I'm over here now, it should be uh, easier. But yeah, we're excited. I think it's a really cool, somewhat niche story. But congratulations to Liam. Just just a couple of questions. First of all, do you have a team?
2: Do you, is What's the closest team to you? Because I've just been looking at things and I've decided my team are the Golden State Grizzlies, just because I think that's a great name. So that, that's my team for
3: all minor league cricket moving forward. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't. I think there is two from my memory um, in Chicago, which are the closest, but still not close enough to really be, you know, an ultra four. There's like some there's uh, New Jersey, I think, have got a team that's got Somerset in the name, which immediately drew me to it. Um, But once again, I do feel and I'll be interested just to hear hear, hear both your thoughts on this, that 27 teams feels like a bit too much uh, straight off the bat. It feels a little bit oversaturated. Uh, again I haven't seen enough of it to really comment on the quality I've had a look at some of the scorecards it's been pretty consistent obviously a couple of one-sided games here and there which you'll have in every single tournament I mean we saw that in, some of the, in the 100 final um, for the women you can still have very one-sided games even when the two teams are pretty evenly matched so yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, to learning more about this um, as especially as the the tournament finishes and wraps up and we can get a feel for viewing figures for attendance. Um but I do want to watch some of it that has been on my list. Um and yeah, I really want to I really want to have a chat to one of the organizers and just 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 ask them really how how it's been going down because it is exciting. Um and I really hope it's it's really going well.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree about the 2017 seems well, but if if their plan has always been to have 27 teams in a minor league that builds into six in a major league, it does kind of make sense to do this 27 teams first because they don't, they haven't had a nationwide league before. They're not going to, you know, they can't do a draft for six teams particularly and pick the best players to, you know, the best, whatever it will be, 100 players to fill those teams. That's going to be tough without having some sort of league before. So it makes sense if they have this as a as kind of a a secondary league that builds into the major league.
1: The most interesting part about this story, because obviously, as as Glenn said, it makes a lot of sense for his life at the stage of his career that he's at and with his family situation. It makes a lot of sense. But the weird part of the story is that he's obviously going over to eventually play Major League Cricket, a tournament which doesn't exist yet and won't exist until 2023, by which point he's 39 or 40. So it's interesting to see from that perspective. Glenn, this obviously they're starting up this whole new tournament. What is the appetite for that, do you think, in America at the moment? Where's this come from? What is the whole background of of cricket that it's going to be launching into?
3: Well, actually, this may well be the uh, topic of my PhD thesis. So (laughs) um, I am going to come back to you. when I've done a little bit more research, but from what I've seen on Twitter, you know attendant doesn't seem to be a huge amount of attendance i mentioned it earlier but the lack of engagement on on twitter obviously it's no scientific barometer for any level of success in person but it has been a little bit worrying that there hasn't been a huge amount of engagement really from anywhere i mean will you made a great point just before we started recording so we had a really good chat about this and um you said that as a Caribbean uh, creator podcast that we're, we're all fans of and their tweets about this tournament appear to have more engagement than the actual official tweets um, from the organising uh, account. So, yeah, it's tough to say. So, I mean, yeah, social media, they're giving it a crack, hasn't really kicked off yet uh, from the highlights. I've seen, uh, you know, a smattering of spectators. Um, is there a hunger for it? I think. The major league cricket, I think you made a great point there, Zach, and I do agree. I do agree. Um, I think the major league cricket will be that real um, indicator of whether if they can actually, you know, get a quality ground. What has been concerning for me has been like the quality of the pitches has seemed pretty rough um, straight off the bat. Like, it, it, I don't know if it's been Astro, but some of them haven't looked, you know, particularly high quality. But, I mean, they're it's brand new and they're getting started. And, I mean, I'm just delighted that they've actually, it's happening. I mean, that is something to to take real pride in, I think.
1: Well, listeners may remember our attempt to play cricket on Clapham Common with the disastrous pitch that was worse than our made it bad. And uh, you were saying before we uh, hit record that some of these pitches look worse than that.
3: <laughs> I'm glad I'm not batting on them, that's for sure. And and just before we move on, I do wanna I do wanna um point to a couple of my favourite names. We've got the Florida Beamers, which I adore. We have the Manhattan Yorkers, uh the New Jersey Somerset Cavaliers, which I think is pretty inspired, uh, and Michigan cricket stars. So we've it feels like we've had uh oh no, and and Chicago have two teams the Blasters and Catchers, who have a newly established massive rivalry. So I guess one of them at my team. Um although they both seem to be pretty average at the moment, I think. Uh and that seems to be my favourite one. Or the Hollywood Master Blasters. I mean it really feels like a <laughs> bit of a a bit of a jumble. <laughs>
1: this is worse than the hundred names. So, so hang on. It is, is. Is there a place called New, called Somerset in New Jersey? Or if they is this a partnership with Somerset? What's going on there?
2: I think there might be. Yeah, there's a place called Somerset in New Jersey. There's an area. There's a Somerset County in New Jersey.
1: I think so, you guys have to support them then, surely. Well, I think we you might have talk.
2: to. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, so would you count yourself as more of a blaster or more of a catcher?
3: Well, you know, thinking about my pretty average fielding skills, I'm going to go for blasters. I'm going to imagine I'm facing Wills Bowling and I'm going to become a blaster. You've the league um, table, haven't you? Yes. the
2: catchers uh, just for just for listeners' reference the catchers have played nine and one zero so uh, <laughs>
0: not doing
3: too See, well. that's the team I should really be the only ultra for that sounds like my kind of team
1: <sighs> well uh, we'll be sure listeners to update you whenever this tournament exists uh well we'll check in again with glenn if he ever decides to pick a team uh, i'm sure this will become the sequel to our over Invincible sports slash London spirit uh disputes with the hundred maybe one day we'll settle on a team um The other bit of news we have to talk about is that um, despite the 100, uh, the T20 Blast still actually exists, guys. It's still a tournament um, and it's been happening recently. We've had some quarterfinals. Uh, So congratulations to Hampshire, Kent and Sussex, who have made the semi-finals alongside Somerset. Boys, how are we feeling about that?
2: Yeah, buzzing, buzzing. It was a great, I mean, it was a great week of quarterfinals. First, we had Yorkshire versus Sussex, which went to the final over involved Rashid Khan hitting 27 from nine balls to win it for them then we had some a very strange game where Hampshire hit 125 which nothing nothing like enough and then Notts didn't get there after being about I think they were about 60 without loss after 10 overs and needed another 60 and then managed to get all out losing by two runs and then we had Somerset who uh Lancashire hit 184 and they were about They were 30 without loss after two overs and Liam Livingston looked in Liam Livingston form for this summer. And it looked like they were going to hit well over 200. And we managed to keep them to 184. And then Banton's struggles continue. Lovely young Will Smead hit 44 and then Tom Abel. Tom Abel hit 78. And at one point, Tom Abel was on 77 and we still needed 30 runs because Lamanby was really struggling. And Lamanby just hit the final 30 runs off of about 10 balls, including back-to-back sixes, having not looked in any sort of nick. He just kind of suddenly flicked a switch, which is, is what he's done a couple of times. He hit 90 off of about 30 balls in earlier in the tournament. So, yeah, Somerset are in finals day for the first time since whoa, 2018, where they lost to Sussex in the semi-final, but luckily they will be playing Hampshire. The other one was uh, Kent beat uh, Birmingham by 21 runs, but I didn't, I didn't see much of that. I think it was the only one that wasn't close.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that innings when a- Abel and Lamanby were in and they still needed about a 200 strike rate with 80 odd balls left. And somehow they managed to win it really comfortably with 10 balls remaining. Uh, so unbelievable partnership with those two.
3: Yeah, something something we've noticed is that Lamanby takes a while to get in. This season, like, he looked like he's struggling for the first 10-15, did it again in this one. He really looked a bit out of Nick for that first or two he faced. And suddenly it's like a switch and he just absolutely just was thundering it around the ground. And some of those sixes were massive. Um, And to go from, you know, run a ball, just under a run a ball to a strike rate of 167. As you said, he basically finished off the bowlers and that swinging momentum. I mean, when Smeed got out, I, I thought because, you know, Banton Smead, yeah, it's a Really good opening duo, especially kind of especially with Smead's form. And when as soon as he 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 went out, and Hildreth, who's been quite destructive in T20, surprisingly, I've always known him as a one-day four-day batsman, but this season he's really kicked on and actually opened for us early in the tournament. But yeah, as soon as they got out, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, and B can be in and out of it quite quite easily, and Abel has just come back from injury, I think. But for them to do that was just extraordinary. And was, as for fans, it was an absolute delight in front of a packed house at Taunton. I mean, what more do you need? What an atmosphere! and all the games were great as you rightly pointed out Zach only one of them wasn't super tight so a great advert for the Blast as well I think it was an excellent selection of knockout games.
1: Absolutely and we have to say a special word for Rashid Khan who hit a brilliant 27 not out from just nine balls uh, in Sussex's win over Yorkshire amid obviously um, a terrible situation in in his home country of Afghanistan and I'm sure there's much more on his mind than than just the cricket Um, so that was an unbelievable performance from him. Uh, the last bit of news before we jump into that uh, test match is that we have yet another franchise tournament that none of us have had any time to pay attention to yet. Profound apologies to the CPL, um, although we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it from now on. Uh, we've had about three games per team um, have already happened. Uh, St. Kitts and Nevis are in the lead with three wins from win. Somehow, everyone else is doing terribly. I don't quite understand this mathematically. No one else has a winning record <laughs> apart from one team. So I don't, I don't understand who's beating all these other teams, but somehow they're losing. Um Zach, you've got a team. Who are you supporting?
2: So I support the team that is owned by my... This is is what the IPL wants. I'm doing exactly what the IPL wants. So the people who own Kolkata Knight Riders bought Trinbago Knight Riders you know a while ago and they've been really successful ever since so I've supported them for a while you know not supported I, if they're on TV I'll be happy I watched I watched the final last year and a couple of the games and it was really fun cuz they had Kieran Pollard and Dwayne Bravo although he's Dwayne Bravo has now moved to Guyana I think but you know I'm not I'm not the expert on the CPL but it's been yeah good fun so far
1: yeah, and by much the same logic, I'm I'm finding myself supporting the newly created Barbados Royals, um, who in true Rajasthan fashion have managed to win one of their first three games, uh, which is basically how our teams tend to go. I'm wearing my Rajasthan Royals t-shirt today, which apparently is, is what I wear when there's a catastrophic India-related performance. <laughs> this is a tradition now. Uh, Glenn, have you got a team? Uh, same as Zach actually, because I visited the
3: ground. So uh, that is that is my reason. Uh, yeah, no, I was, I, I was lucky enough to um, hop over to Trinidad and Tobago to for about a week a couple of years ago. Um, that was from from America, so tickets were were super cheap. couldn't Couldn't really afford to do that from the UK. So yeah, uh, wonderful, wonderful country, uh, exceptionally welcoming uh people that we met there and yeah and i managed to see uh a actual game inside the stadium i just watched a couple of hours of what i think was just you know just a provincial game i was the only person like in the audience there were the teams there were what I assume must have been some of the obviously the coaching staff and maybe one or two family members. But it's a really nice stadium and it's even nicer when you have the entire stadium to yourself. <laughs> so it was a quite a surreal moment. And um, for people who have been uh, long term uh, listeners of the pod, here's a little bit of uh, of Rainstock play trivia for you. That's where I took the photo, which was the original logo for our former name, uh, Cow Corner. So it's all a neat package of a story. There you go.
1: Wow, there we go. That's some trivia for the real fans. Wow, that
3: is that is.
2: I re, I really like that, Glenn. Also, um, just just for Dan, Dan, you also have a team if you're listening, because the Punjab Kings, your boys in the IPL, have bought the Saint Lucia Zooks, and they are now called the Saint Lucia Kings with the same, the exact same badge as Punjab Kings, but in blue instead.
1: <laughs> and 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 hilariously, sorry, Dan, uh, your boys are rock bottom of the table at the moment. <laughs> So we've done you a favour there. Um, Depressingly, I'm finding myself in Barbados in November, but I just missed CPL season. Um, But I have sorted myself out a little tour of the ground. Um, And maybe I can can find a Barbados Royals shirt to bring back with me. Right, with all that said and done, guys, let's do it. Let's jump in. I'm not gonna sound enthusiastic about this, but both of you will, um, which is good. So I'll, I'll let you carry this discussion um we were very very depressed about england in the last podcast um you've got the opening three that you yourself described as god this is depressing um how how do you feel now
3: yeah i i, I feel uh I guess slightly uh, embarrassed that i was so critical and i uh, there were a couple of good stats i was reading throughout that um throughout that opening partnership but it it's been a long time many years um since our top 3 a uh, top four has all got half centuries. Um, obviously Root went above and beyond that with this 121, but to see a scorecard where it says 61, 68, 70, 121, and even 29, because that is a, that is just a solid contribution from your number five. It's just absolutely extraordinary. And, um, yeah, I I think my trepidation was not necessarily misplaced. I don't think there were many people um, who were exceptionally excited about this. I think a lot of us were looking forward to seeing Hamid open. I think uh, I certainly was. And I think a few of us have backburns even throughout, you know, this this litany of ducks. that he's had this horrible record of ducks in the last year. I've always thought that, you know, I've never said to drop him. I don't think anyone on the pod has necessarily said to drop all of them. Zach's I, I not shaking his head. All right, I'll let you on onto that. But, you know, obviously Milan coming in, he's, uh, unfortunately for him, he's an immensely talented cricketer who just doesn't seem to excite anyone at the minute. You know, obviously there was the whole thing about him being T20, uh, you know, best batsman in the world, which was just always taken with you know a handful of salt. And it was almost a bad thing for him because, you know, it almost became like, well, he's clearly not. Why does he have this title? And then, yeah, he comes into the test side. And from from my perspective, us talking, looking on Twitter, no one seemed that excited about it. But what you've got there is a really experienced top four. Again, top five with Bairstow, who I think has actually come into this team and done really well and we'll talk about that he'll be picking up the gloves for the next one which we'll we'll get on to later um yeah I, I was i've never been happier will uh to be proved wrong i'm delighted i was proved wrong and i think they all did exceptionally i mean hamid got bogged down for a little bit i think he went about 30 without scoring at one point but it didn't really matter because you know I'll, they've opened up and they've got half centuries i mean what more do you want and they blunted the new ball what is what we've been begging for for um for years. And I really hope I'm not expecting, you know, four fifties in a row next game. I just really hope maybe one of them in the first innings can get that half century uh, and just keep this going because we can talk about this in the next few minutes, but if this happens again, next game, this is probably going to be the, the ashes. If it goes ahead, at least the ashes opening too. And it's a long, long road back for Dom Sydney, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I think it's a long way but like, like you say, the opening, I think the top four, if these if if this next test goes okay that top four will be set in there's there's been talk for a while about Milan coming in for the ashes and him coming in and doing that I think you know he batted really well and he I think he'll be gutted they didn't get a hundred though absolutely gutted because he doesn't have a hundred at home and I think that will be even if he you know I, I don't I think he he spoke about kind of thinking that his test career was over and that he thought the time had passed and that you know he's making a he's making a good He's making a pretty good fist of the T20 franchise stuff and playing for England in the T20s. But he he kind of thought his test crew was over and didn't think he was going to get another chance. So now he's got that chance. And and also the fact he wasn't necessarily expecting the call up when it came because there was there'd been a bit of chatter, but there hadn't been kind of, you know, before Bracey got called up, every single person in the world knew Bracey was going to be in the squad kind of thing not necessarily playing but everyone knew he was gonna be in the squad but I feel like there wasn't anyone near as much chatter about Milan being picked up it kind of the day before there was a couple of things saying oh apparently Milan might be in the squad and then it suddenly just happened so yeah I think it's good to be good for him because you know famously very good on the back foot pretty important in Australia and there's so much talk about bowlers in Australia but we don't score enough runs when we go there so we don't win test matches when we yep. went there and won we scored a lot of runs because we had some very good batsmen so we won because we scored you know five six hundred which is what you have to do and it's not i mean you say that i say it's what you have to do it's what you historically have to do it's not what it's not the way india won at all but that was a special one-off series i think and you know i don't i don't know i don't think the ashes is going to top that
1: yeah well you mentioned that you need some pretty amazing batting. Fortunately, that's exactly what England have at the moment. Boys, Joe Root, discuss Glenn. What do you make of it? The 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 Test, the series, the year that he's having.
3: Yeah. So obviously, with that century, um, he drew level with a, with the record um, for England batsmen six of the year. It's a record jointly held by Michael Vaughan and Dennis Compton, two illustrious batsmen. Uh, and it looks like you know we can only hope we don't want to overtalk him, uh, which seems impossible. But you, you think um, he's, got a, he's got around 10 innings potentially left in this in this calendar year, which is a lot when you're in this kind of form. And I I would like to think that he might he might bag another hundred in this in this series. Uh, I feel like if he's going to do it, why not do it when you're absolutely on fire the way he's batting now? Um but it, I mean, it's spectacular. I mean, we were, what I really want to say is I had a lot of concerns about his captaincy. And this is this. They weren't concerns that said that, that, that meant he should change as captain. I just like the way he handled um, some of the previous games, which was just, was just seemed quite poor, especially as we discussed the bowling at the tail was just was just nonsense in the, in the last match. But under this huge pressure. So he had all of that coming out of this of this. We just got humiliated at home by India from a winning position. We'd um, gone six tests in England in a row without winning our worst streak since 89-90. Long time. Not only have we obviously really comprehensively won this game, but he just keeps picking up the runs. His his batting has not dropped off. And we did mention this, you know, as captaincy, there's been question marks over that in terms of some decision-making, uh, which has had a negative impact on results. But even in the midst of that, he's still been carrying this team batting. And wasn't it nice to see him bat so beautifully with support from other batsmen? I mean, without necessarily going back on what we just discussed, but it's one thing to see him do it all by himself, which is al- al- almost more remarkable in a way but it was just wonderful to see him not go in and just look so stressed and look so frustrated with the with the middle order around with the openers going with him being batting within the first 5 10 overs uh with the middle order collapsing around him It was so refreshing to see him sit there and enjoy his cricket and just get another really impressive 100 um and i think it was a shame that he, well, he didn't bat in the in the second innings that never was because it would have been really interesting to see him um to see him give that a go um and i i yeah i imagine he'll get at least a 50 would be my bet in the in the next game but it almost as if i really don't want all these stats i know i've just listed one or two but all these stats that put even more pressure on him because he just needs to play his natural game and just keep doing what he's doing and basically ignore all the noise around him if he's in nick this good just carry on it doesn't really matter like obviously his fans and commentators we we love you know record breaking especially one as important as this but from his perspective he's still the captain first. Um, and he needs to win the games, and if in the process, if we do win the series, again I'm not necessarily saying we we will Indy obviously absolutely battered us in that game prior to this, but yeah, the thought of turning this series around, getting a positive result, and him and him just continuing to bat so beautifully—it's just easy on the eye when he's playing this well. It's just such an easy batsman to watch. Hours can disappear. It was the same in Sri Lanka, same to degree in India. Like when he is in nick, he's just a great batsman. He's obviously one of the greatest in test history. That's kind of going out saying at this point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing this this innings was—we you know, saw how fast he was scoring. It wasn't—it wasn't that he was scoring like massive shots, but it was just the way he was so comfortable. And it was, it was after Hamid had hit none from, from 30 balls in the morning or something, and and had really struggled and it looked slightly tougher, you know, and then Root came in and he was, he was like, he was like a run, almost a runner ball when he got to 50. And it was just from those, he looked so comfortable, just dabbing it down to third man, just like the little dabs forward for, for one. And just it, they didn't look troubled at all. One thing India could have done to him was, was bowl a bit fuller. I think he's quite known to, you know, not be as good. And they, they weren't bowling over near full enough at him, which seemed to be a bit of an issue. And then when, when like I said, when Bumrah did, he bowled him. I know he'd already made 121, but, you know, they could have bowled fuller at him. I'm sure come on to India, but with, with England's bowling, I think this, this obviously the batting was really great to see, but the bowling set it up and it meant they had no pressure. Uh, you know, everyone contributed we had three for anderson and three mate three beauties for anderson and it was backed up i think that's that's the key thing it was backed up by robinson got two overton got three even even sam curran got two who i will come on to my grievances with him when we talk about selection glenn what 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 impressed you the most about the uh, the england bowling performance
3: Oh, I mean, there was a lot to love. I think uh, we looked like a unit, number one. I think we, we looked like bowlers who enjoyed bowling together and uh, could could ebb and flow nicely. I think Robinson over to, and Overton stood out as just just really solid. Obviously, Robinson uh, got some crucial wickets um, in that second inning. He got Pajara at LBW. Uh, the, the Pajara had really dropped the anchor. He was doing, doing God's work out there. He was batting so well. And that was the breakthrough, you could probably argue. And then he followed it up by getting, obviously, one of the biggest danger mans in, in the world in Kohli. So he got the two crucial wickets in that second innings. Obviously, that led to a Pfeiffer. Um, and I, I was impressed with Overton. I think he he showed he's been unfortunate. I think it was his first win uh, as an England Test player, uh, which is interesting. And I think he... Um, he showed that he's really consistent as well. Picked up three wickets in that second innings. Uh and as you said, Zach, in the first innings, the the wickets were nicely were nicely distributed. Anderson three, Robinson two, Curran two, uh, only bowled two overs, and then Overton got three. Um, so I think it showed we were all worried, right? So when when it was announced, unsurprisingly, that Wood was going to be unable to play and the shoulder injury sustained in the field, it looked really nasty at the time. Um a lot of us were there's a bit of trepidation, but you know, obviously, we're Somerset fans, um, Zach and I, and we've, we've seen Overton do it, and we've always been advocates for him uh, in the test team because he's really consistent. And yes, he doesn't hit the highest pace that you know the elite world bowlers hit, he arguably doesn't move it quite enough again in this elite level. Um, but in England, I mean, I don't know what more you want, really. He's consistent, he hits a length, and he gets wickets, uh, and he will bowl. I, I think it was, I read a really good piece. Um, in ESPN I think uh, it was George DeBell, just his five roundups and he was saying you know um, Overton's um, always happy to go in here he'll bowl up the hill if other people don't want to he'll bowl in blustery conditions like he is a bit that th- th- for want of a better word the workhorse bowler and uh, but but at the same time we're not just giving him bad conditions and saying oh go on just run in for six overs he still makes things happen he still gets good wickets Um, so I am super impressed with both of them. I think Robinson is is especially, and one more thing it was amazing to see the batting go so deep. And this is in tandem with my next point, which is that I think Robinson's making a real case for himself. Um, I think Overton, I think Zach, this might be the point that you're about to make. I'd probably favor him in most tests to Curran at the minute. I think he, he does offer more at least with the ball uh, and the bat, he seems a little bit more comfortable just in the test arena. I mean, Sam Connors obviously destructive in, in the short-term game, and I do think he can be underrated as a batter, but he doesn't seem to be comfortable in the test arena, whereas Overton does. He just kind of walks in, faces 30 balls, gets about 15 runs and just looks really solid. So from my perspective, I was delighted with Robinson and, um, Robinson and Overton. And um, yeah, I think the, the players who came into this team, uh, it just feels so strange talking about this, but the players who came in really succeeded. I think everyone brought something to the table and we didn't lose the identity of the team within that. We actually looked more like a team than we have in, in, in quite a while, you might argue. So, yeah, delighted. And I think Robinson's really making a case to be a long term selection for England. Um, and as number 10s go, he's probably about as best as we've ever had as a batter.
2: Absolutely, Glenn. And I really like what you said about the bowling as a unit the the fact that they were a unit wasn't just oh Anderson's had a good day oh Broad's had a good day or Absolutely. or oh, someone else's you know Wokes has had a really good day it was everyone contributing it was just what we needed it meant when it came to the second innings it was like it doesn't matter you know An- Anderson was fresher Anderson didn't look he didn't look as good on day three and we hadn't taken wickets but we had such a lead and he bowled so well on the first day it didn't matter and then we had Robinson stepped up which is just what we needed you need other players to step up like we we've been reliant on Broad and Anderson for a long time and they've been brilliant, but, you know, they're not going to be around forever. And Robinson is, you know, he's, he's much younger. So is Anderson. So sorry. So is Overton. And although, you know, and then we've got Wokes to come back and Wood and Archer at some point, hopefully, you know, with the bowling, it's not looking, it's not looking too bad, you know, and I do, but I do completely agree with you. I think just in both regards, Overton offers more than current sorry Sam Curran but just stop please I want him gone <laughs> I know we want I want him gone get him out uh, can we just want one second uh, Moeen didn't bowl too much but that ball he bowled to Shammy was wasted on Shammy I saw it someone said the highlights but it was just wasted on Mohammed Shammy because that would have bowled Coley it would have bowled Williamson it would have bowled Peak Viv Richards like what a delivery
1: well, you say it was wasted on him. Shami's our best batsman, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Um, true. Yeah, and, and listeners, I can absolutely confirm that this is not a prisoner of the moment reaction from Zach. He has been, he has been claiming Overton's best with bat and Ball, than Curran for several weeks now, probably. Long <laughs> and, time. And, and you were proven correct. <laughs> so obviously a pretty perfect performance um, from England, all considered. Um, where does that leave selection for the next test? Is it just the same 11 goes again?
3: Well, Butler is not going to be uh, in the in the team for this next game. He uh, I think it's the, the birth of his child. I think he's going to be uh, attending a second child. Um, so that so quite rightly, he won't be in selection. Also, you know, just just while we're talking about him, he hasn't seemed particularly comfortable playing test cricket for a while. I might argue never seems to be enjoying himself when he's batting. I know often. The situation is he comes in at six or something and he has to and, you know, we're, we're three or four wickets down. And he has to play a very different game to his natural one. But, yeah, you know, keeping has been fine. He's always a tidy keeper and he's always chirpy in the field. But he definitely you sense there's a lot of burnout with Butler. And I think this is probably a question for another part, but he is probably one of the biggest question marks. Uh, you know, there's the discourse about the ashes and players with young families aren't going to be going. He'd probably be my number one uh, pick as it were, or number one uh, suggestion for perhaps not going because again he doesn't seem to be loving his Test cricket and he's got going to have two young kids and um, obviously one exceptionally young. Uh, so I don't I, at the moment I don't think he's going to be um, uh, obviously coming back for the maybe the maybe the rest of the, this tournament um, of the series he might be sitting out, but we will see. Uh, but with that said, Bester is going to be taking the gloves. Uh, Wokes is in contention. Uh, Wood seems to be fit as well. Uh, Zach, what what are your thoughts in terms of like the eleven that you'd be thinking? I think the the discussion I saw just before we went on air was that one of Anderson or Robinson will be rested for rest and rotation. Quite rightly, hopefully Anderson. Uh, but what do you reckon? And um, what are your thoughts on who this eleven could look like? Because surely the top four five is going to stay the same.
2: Yeah, my 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 thinking from what I've seen is that for Butler it will be one of Pope and Lawrence, and Lawrence has. Looks okay in Test cricket recently. Pope not so good. Neither of them have looked like so. Lawrence is currently playing the first two games of a county championship game for Essex. He scored 32. Pope got a duck in the Royal London One Day Cup game he played last week or two weeks ago. But Pope does average a hundred at the Oval. So I've I've said this for a while. I just want him in. I want him to play a test match at the oval because he averages hundred at the oval. So surely he's gonna score a hundred. And I you know, he has been short of test match runs for a while, but there's no place like the oval for him to do it. You know, so I, I would I would bring Pope in as that kind of batsman at six. If if Bearstow's still happy to bat at five and, and keep, I think he probably is, you know. He doesn't he doesn't seem to want I don't think he wants to bat any lower than that. So I'd happily have Best at five and then keep Moeen in. And yeah, like you say, rotate. I'd rotate um, Anderson for, oh, actually, see, my 11 was, I forgot about the rotation. I was just going to sack off Sam Curran for Chris (laughs) Wokes. But uh, now I'm going to sack off Sam Curran for Chris Wokes and bring Mark Wood in. Although I'm a bit worried, I don't really want to play Mark Wood. Fine, Sam Curran have a have a test match at your home ground that's <laughs> fine you can have one more mate but that's going to be your last one for like three years so so is
3: trying. that is, is that wood in for for anderson no, there? sorry sorry
2: no not wood no wood i don't i don't trust the woods fit
3: okay so wood. that is wokes. so you're bringing wokes in for anderson there
2: Wokes for anderson yeah
3: so we're batting Wo- very deep there so we're basically saying robinson is the number 11 which is pretty extraordinary Oh, yeah, I didn't even realise that. Yeah, yeah. That's We're about right down to 11. Right down to 11. Will, what do you reckon if you, if you
1: stay like, on top of that? I'm, I'm astonished that Sam Curran seems to have got away with murder in um, <laughs> Zach's 11, but fair enough. Well done to him. Um, We talked last time that Mahmood might come in instead of Overton. Any, any appetite for that as a bit of rotation? Yeah, I like it. Him in for Curran. None. forgot I I, well I, done. I couldn't remember if there was another there's another baseballer in the
2: squad
3: so we've gone from saying this team looks like a really good unit and that we've played well we've basically sacked off half the team due to a, a variety of reasons so, uh, I
2: mean,
3: look at that bowling attack i've
2: picked overton robinson wokes moine and Mahmood on debut
1: That's a pretty good bowling attack i mean it is three changes from the good from the good unit performance it, it feels is. like a lot
2: it is, but from that good unit, you think about uh, Anderson's one out of Anderson and Robinson needs a rest. Curran, you know, he did contribute to the good unit, but even on, like, in the second, te- what, it, throughout this series, I've felt like there's seemed like a, a big drop in quality as soon as he comes onto bowl and a big release in pressure. We talked about a lot of the winter with, with Don Best and stuff, is that they, he kind of seems to just be able to bowl one ball that, and it's, it's difficult. I, as a left arm over swing bowler, I understand.
3: Who's played for England. <laughs> exactly.
2: He's trying to swing it in. And if he, you know, if he, if he manages to get it to swing a bit too far, if he just pit starts it too straight, it's such an easy ball to hit. But he does seem to be have that little bit of inconsistency in him and his, his batting hasn't been as good as it should be.
3: Yeah, and he was in both innings, he was the most expensive ball uh, in terms of economy. Uh, it, it was actually hitting above four in that second in innings, which is pretty atrocious for, for test level, unfortunately. And I you were very right to point out the um, difficulties of his technique. That uh, is a really important point. And he's still incredibly, still reasonably young. But I think best the best comparison was excellent there, was... Um, was absolutely spot on because it's just that release of pressure you know robinson anderson overton whoever else has held down held down the fort uh done done the hard work and then if someone comes on and just can't sustain that pressure all of the work prior is basically wasted at that point um, which is which is tough. So, yeah, I, I personally, I would still keep Curran because as as we just touched on with, as Will said, I think I, I'd be I'd be reluctant to make too many wholesale changes because that is a very different looking bowling lineup. Um, but at the same time, I can't have it both ways. I can't obviously critique Curran that much and, and still say he's there just to keep it together if he was the weak link. So we will and, see. I, I,
1: and yet, despite that, you have. So
3: yeah, we that, It's uh, yeah. I'm funny. I'm. I'm glad I'm not a selector. I'll say that. It's it's a hard job.
2: I'm no sorry, Glenn, Glenn, which way have you decided? He
1: I realized I didn't,
3: decided. I didn't. I didn't come to. I was. I was just just impaled on the fence there. Um. I I would keep him in for this one. Uh, again, home ground. That was something that the that um I thought was interesting. I think him playing with Pope would be would be really really solid obviously knowing the ground back to front. So I'll keep him and keep a little bit of consistency there but moving forward I don't think he's as viable as a long-term test pick as we were hoping maybe this time last year which is which is unfortunate because I still back him as a cricketer.
2: Yeah, I I and I do think that I think Mahmood there's talk of Mahmood being a good option for Australia particularly because Archer's gone, Stone gone. Uh, would not look in he would can't play five test matches in a row well exactly so we need some more pace so Mahmood can be that option but he needs to play a test match before going to Australia in the UK but maybe the last test match at his home ground of Old Trafford would would be would be a good time for him to get a debut particularly if if I mean the season, this, the series will still be on the line. It's not like well, we don't care about. Well, we we don't have the trophy, whatever the trophy is between these two sides. It feels, it feels a weird. One, it definitely does have a trophy, but it it's it's not as famous as you know, lots of other series. The you Dom know, Best it's trophy. Even, it's not even as famous <laughs> as the Moose Cup we had in Sri Lanka. Yeah,
3: I, yeah, I love the Moose Cup. <laughs>
1: right that about wraps us up for um, for England a pretty pleasing uh, performance for these guys they still don't know what they're doing with selection but that's fine we'll allow <laughs> them that because they're not the selectors um depressingly we we have to go in go on to india um when we saw that that catastrophic first test against australia at the start of the year i thought that would be the, the worst india innings i saw for quite some time um and it wasn't it was beaten uh, by arguably even more embarrassing this time around um so I'll, I'll open it up if you guys if you guys want to ask any questions to to, to grill me on it. But all I'll say is a pretty disappointing day all round, which I'm choosing to just ignore and move on. And I'm not even I'm not even going to call for any drastic selection decisions. I think we should all just pretend it never happened and move on with our lives.
3: The head in the sand approach, which <laughs> uh, which we. We uh, have to appreciate. Uh, yeah, I guess just looking, I mean, obviously looking at that first scorecard, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a shocker. Um, I guess in terms of approach, do you think there was perhaps a sense of maybe Coley, uh, for want of a better word, overconfidence, obviously uh, having humiliated England at Lords? W- what went wrong in that in those couple of days? You know, one of one of the great wins in Test cricket, in my opinion, from that position no right to win that game demolished England on their on their home turf how do you go from that to to 78 all out on the on the first day you know in the in a couple
1: of hours what was it is it the mentality where where did it go wrong I mean there's a very zen approach to that question which is simply that that's cricket you know this this happens Um, and I think there's a certain amount of truth in that in that if you listen to how Virat Kohli has responded to it He's clearly trying to play down any exaggeration. We've spoken before about the very, very long tail in this lineup, but he basically said, we're not going to change that. We're happy. It works. If the top six batsmen collapse for 70-odd, that's their problem. They're, they're, they just didn't do enough as six batsmen. We're not going to mess around, try and put seven or eight in there, um, which I think is a fair enough response. I mean, when, when you see what we saw across the first two tests, there's enough there to suggest that over a over a series. India will bat well well enough and bowl well enough to get the wins. Um, so I wouldn't feel any particular pressure to mess around with it too much because it is still a working formula. And I don't think there was anything in that result that suggested, particularly, you may disagree with this, that particularly suggested that they've been found out in any ways. I think there are just the kind of bowling that we said before the series, a lot of these India batsmen are going to struggle with. That was the kind of bowling that got them out. They bowl, Anderson in particular, Robinson as well, others contributing as we said they bowled very very well in classical English conditions and they got the results I don't think India will collapse to a score that low again I don't think there's anything in the techniques that would suggest they do that again comparing it to the to the Australia first test part of the reason that was so catastrophic and we saw so many changes immediately for the second test of that series was because it was really immediately obvious that it looked like technically pretty sure had been found out And it looked like others just didn't really have a place in that team that made sense. Which with this one, it's not the first test of a series. You've seen them win playing this way. And I think they'll just continue to do that and hope that it was a bad day at the office and nothing more than that. I think that's
3: fair enough. Did obviously, Pujara got his head down and played a very classic innings. That was some some uh, hope in there. What did you think watching him and Kohli kind of have that partnership? And Rohit, once again, who I think has been outstanding at the top of the order, chalks up yet another 50. There, there were positives, especially in the batting in that second innings, when when I think the England Bowls were made to work very hard for the majority of wickets. But as you just mentioned, Will, that tail, which obviously did the business somehow in the previous test, I think they failed, the last four batsmen fell for about eleven and nine in the first and second innings. I mean, that is it's just hopeless. So that's still an issue. But what did you in terms of positives you want to get out of this? You, um Pujara's innings stood out obviously off the scorecard as something impressive. Um he was there for two hundred and seventy-five minutes and just really got his bat down. Anything else jump out as you know, well, this is still something resembling a positive. Let's take that into this test at the Oval.
1: I mean, not hugely. The, the, the Pajaro one definitely was, not least because of, you know, not ju- not just what he did on the field and what you can see in the scorecards, which is a sort of reasonably good test performance. And obviously you should have got a century, terribly depressing that he went immediately on that fourth morning. Because um, I think he deserved it after the, the kind of the criticism that he's got throughout this whole year and the record that he's had. He deserved those extra nine runs. Um but it wasn't just about his impact on the scorecard. We said last time out, the, the brilliance and the and the fan, you know the watchability of Pajaro doesn't come from what he's doing. It's it's the whole atmosphere that he gives to the rest of the match. He can slow it down. He can absorb pressure. He can give the freedom to other people to play their games. And this was a classic Pajaro innings because as long as he was there, I think I put a message in the chat um, on the morning of day. Uh, possibly the afternoon of day three and I just said well listen if Pajara stays here for the bats for the next one and a half days India might win (laughs) but that didn't feel like a completely insane thing to say because that's what his game is Um, so he he at least gave some optimism from a viewer's perspective that was that was quite funny to watch Um, and obviously when he got out on that fourth day that that was pretty much the end of it which shows his importance to the team um, the partnership with Kohli was the one that could potentially have turned the game around if something ridiculous was going to happen. Kohli, yeah. I think, at this point, is probably the big negative because, obviously, he's not batted terribly, but you know lots has been said and written about his ongoing lack of a test century. Um, and that is becoming a bit of the story because he's he got out again, fishing outside off, even though, I mean, clearly, Virat Kohli knows more about batting than we do. But everybody in the country has been saying he's clearly changed his technique from 2018 to be less successful and started playing outside off again. Why is he doing this? And I don't really understand it any better than anybody else. But he keeps getting out doing it. Um, So that's that's the only kind of actual worry, I think, from India going forward. that He doesn't seem at the moment to have a match winning innings in him or something that turns around the game in India's favour. The rest of them, I think it was just a, a pretty poor day, apart from, as you said, Roshama and Pajara and both showed flashes of positive. So I don't think they'll mess around with the opening duo at all. Um, we said before that the, the kind of weird rogue selection choices for India is that Pritvi Shaw and Studio Kumar are both back in the squad. But I, I really don't see any of them coming in for the next test because it's just not needed to mess around with, with either the opening partnership or the middle order.
2: I will say I, I was at the game on day four, and Suryakumar Yadav before play like he was having a great time, just just messing around, not really doing much. Uh, uh, Umesh Yadav was having a bit of a ball. Ashram was having a bit of a ball. Pant was having a bat, and Suryakumar was just he was just chilling out, chatting to a few of the coaches, not really doing much. He, he certainly wasn't batting. He might have been doing, he might have done a few fielding drills, but not much. He was just he was just enjoying himself. But do do you not think I I I keep hammering the drum of this. Is Rahane's place safe? Because Rahane had that one innings, that one fifty that was like, okay, oh Rahane's back. But in this test, you know, I know no one scored runs, and he, he he did get the second highest score in the first innings. But the the ten I think I I'm not gonna lie, it was the fourth day. I think this was this was the innings I missed in its entirety because I was going to get a pint. his ten from twenty-five I missed completely. But uh is he at risk? I mean I'm I'm gonna bang the Washington Sundar drum until the day I die. But is Washington even in the squad? No, he's injured, but, but he's no, injured. not for not for this series. I'm saying, you know, more slightly longer term.
1: Well I think longer term his place is, is definitely under threat, but in a way that's not so much of a criticism as just a fact of life. I think he is mm-hmm. he is in act three of his international career and that's fine. Uh, he's probably aging less gracefully than we would like, or the the, the other players have done. Um, and I think he yeah over the next eighteen months or so he probably will come out of that team. But I, I I wouldn't say there are panic stations. And I think he still gives you a really important we've we've used the word anchor a lot <laughs> in, in previous podcasts, but he does do that weirdly in this India team. I do think you have to you have to see this India Test team like a really elongated ODI team, because that's how I think they approach the game. They, they they don't even really seem to go out in a first innings with the anticipation to just bat long. You know, they, they come up with the opening partnership in a certain style that they do. They, as you said, at, at parts of this series, they have batted incredibly slowly when the game's needed it. But I think the way they approach the game is that they think of it in terms of an intent to attack and then a balancing process when you lose a wicket. And that's what Rohane is really important to do I mean if you if you've got Pant coming in after that who do you want that he's going to come in and partner is it really Suryakumar Yadav I, I doubt that it is I don't think it's Washington Zendara at this point in his career because you want someone who's got experience and knows what they're doing opposite him and therefore if you're going to give Pant the freedom to do what he does I think you do need somebody slightly less glamorous the name that's People are talking about now as next cab off the rank is of course Vahari, who exemplifies the not very glamorous but quite good at Test cricket in English conditions. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised completely to see that change. But as we've said before, Rahani's is the vice captain, so probably when he gets rotated slash dropped, it'll probably be because he is done. I don't sort of see him coming out for one game to replace him with Vahari at the moment. As I say, it may happen. Our predictions on this podcast really come true, Uh, but. At the moment, I think it even even Rahane's place is relatively settled. By the way, there's been lots of criticism of of, of Pants' little cameo innings. I don't know if if, uh, if either of you agree with that.
2: I, I saw I watched the highlights of of, of day four, of the the BBC highlights, and I think it was Michael Vaughan who you know Pod uh, Pod pantomime villain Pod favourite, whatever <laughs> you want to call him. He said something like. Pants come here with a big reputation and he hasn't really showed up. I mean, the man scored a test century here three years ago. It's not that he's just turned up with this big reputation. He did it three years ago. He'd like, he, said that, like, he said it like he's a wonder kid who's come out of nowhere and has suddenly been really good. You know, he obviously has had a really good year and in December wasn't even in the, the you know, the T20 squads and stuff. But... It, it it really annoyed me and it seemed massively anglocentric that he was like oh classic big batsman's come here and can't score runs in in england but yeah i mean he hasn't had the best of summers pant but you know i don't i don't think anyone ever worries about pant pant seems fine
1: yeah i completely agree i think that the whole narrative around him says a lot more about us than it does about richard pant somebody at in the Guardian, one of their cricket writers, I can't remember who now off the top of my head, but we'll link it on Twitter or something, wrote a really good article recently about the mythology around sporting prodigies. Um, and it was mainly written around Shubman Gill and Privy Shaw, who obviously both record-breaking in the under-18s level and whatever. But it massively applies to Pant, because what it essentially said was, once these people put in such a good performance at a young age, their reputation, their character, their whole, the way they're viewed as a sporting figure stops being anything to do with them. It's, it's entirely about the, the expectations we put on them and you know we we want to believe that we're living through the age of you know the new whoever the new Tendulkar the new Viv Richards whoever it may be we as fans want that and so we we expect it from someone like Pant once he puts in the performances he did earlier in the year the fact that he's not quite hitting that as he said I guess not that he can't play in England or he's played poorly you know maybe he's not quite done the really really high standards that we want to see but that's probably not his fault. And I and I think he's still got got a big part to play in the series without a doubt.
2: Yeah. And you never know when he will come out with that innings. That, and I know I think it comes with he has a weight of expectation for how often he did it in Australia in the winter. But that was just that was unbelievably special. And it was unbelievably special. And he's, you know, Fair play if he can't quite reach those heights the summer after doing that, you know, six months after doing that. I He had one of those series that I think, like, should go down in history as, like, one of the best series from anyone. Like I, As far as I'm aware, he didn't play the first Test match of that series. I think uh, Ruderman Saha was in the team. He wasn't in the team. He got brought into the team. And, you know, the innings in Sydney when, you know, he he got them a draw, but then almost won the game. And then the innings at the Gabba, which we were all watching was, I mean, we've spoken about it so much, but we're not going to see anything like that. Like, I, I don't think, I don't expect to see anything like that for a long, long time. And also the fact that it seemed like one of those things where it was, it, it seemed inevitable. I mean, from an England fan perspective, obviously I, I was kind of a neutral, but obviously I was supporting it, India. Uh, they it seemed inevitable they were going to do it it never seemed in doubt which is mental considering looking at what they did
1: exactly and i think that's the best way to think of it it was something unbelievably special and and as fans we're fickle and we once we've seen special once we want to see it again and again and again but actually take a step back it was special because it's rare that's you're not going to see it every every six months that's that's the point of it um so moving moving forward with india to just the next test which I think as we've said I don't really expect any massive selection changes the only one that probably will come in um, is Ashwin and possibly Shardle for Ishan because I thought he had a pretty dodgy uh, bowling performance and just that extra bit of rotation. Um, Glenn what do you make of of Ashwin still being left out of the team?
3: Well it's a great question well it's testament to Dejeja being so good with the bat ball field I mean That's number one. I think the other thing is that there hasn't really been a huge place for spin in this series so far. I mean, obviously, Moeen's come in and done a very solid job. And I think I've been really impressed with his application. Obviously, we mentioned earlier the absolute peach in the uh, second innings, which you all appreciated. But yeah, I think it's a bit of a cliche, but it just really has shown the dominance of seam in England. And Coley spoke a lot about that, especially after the first, second test, saying that he's comfortable with um going heavy heavy on the on, on the pace on the seamers you know a, a lot of a couple of commentators have said they can't remember in recent memory such a fierce selection of quicks for India uh such a consistent selection of quicks for them and I, I love the, the bowling attack. I think it's remarkably good. So I think it really has been it's ridiculous because I think Ashwin is the is the best best spinner in the world. Um I, I personally would say that. Um I think the stats back it up um to a certain extent. Yeah, is there a place for him in this series? You've got to hope so. Um, so, Will, you don't really you don't see him at the moment coming into this side. And it, and it, and if not, do you see him? Surely he has to pop up at some point because he can bat as well. This is why I think he might feel a little bit hard done by. He's not really a Jack Leach that bowls really nicely, but just, you know, is a number 11. You know, he's someone who scored serious runs at a test level. He can bat. So. Yeah, I, as I said, it's just it's just the classic thing of English pitches, just just really, um, you know, inching out the spinner. There just hasn't been enough room for him, which is unfortunate, I think, because I want to see him. And I think especially um, with... Um, England playing so well in this last game, it gives the English batters something else to think about. It doesn't have to be the dustiest pitch in the world for a player of Ashwin's quality to get wickets. That is not true. So I am surprised he, how we haven't seen him, and I really hope to, especially having seen him in person at the Oval just a few, like a month ago, just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that was an absolute delight, and I think it'd be a real shame for him to miss out on this entire series because, yeah, why not bring him and give us something different to think about?
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that. I always thought he'd play some part in this series, probably as just a rotation for Jadeja for one or two games. After what's happened, even though I said, I don't think you have any need to overreact with the selection. It kind of just makes sense to freshen things up now, rather than after another test. So I wouldn't at all be surprised to just see that as a, as a straight swap and play one all round spinner and leave Judasia out for a game. I think they probably will stick with, with four seamers because it seems to be a pattern that currently thinks works. So I wouldn't really expect that changing at all. Um, and you're not going to bat Ashwin at five. So um, that basically <laughs> well, seems like it's it's a straight swap.
2: So, but that's the thing though, that if we're talking about the issue of this long tail, Ashwin at seven, Ashwin isn't as good at batting as, as Jadeja is. And that is basically the reason Jadeja gets in this team. Ashwin at seven seems like an exceptionally long tail. When I've heard talk of Ashwin being brought into the side, it is kind of to balance up the side. It's what it's being talked about as. Although I understand that I don't, I think playing two spinners would seem silly because even though the oval is one of the pitches in England you think of as potentially being able as, as have it as spinning, the England England pitch, you know, the, the groundsmen aren't. Then it's not. They're not going to make a spinning wicket, are they? Particularly, you know, it'd be very silly. <laughs>
1: It would be a pretty stupid thing to do. Um, yeah, it's it's always difficult to know when captains, especially touring captains, come out and say things publicly, how much of this is genuine and how much you have to take with a mountain of salt. Um, but to be fair to him, Virat Kohli has very, very consistently said for seamers in English conditions is the template. That's, that's his language. That's what they've gone with in every test so far. And I think it makes a lot of sense because you have to see Kohli's captaincy of the team as I think what what he sees as a modernizing process, a sort of, you know, we are going to adapt to different conditions. We're going to show that we can be a team that goes and plays in Australia like an Australian team would or goes and plays in England like an English team would. And that's how you're going to win. And I think he's pretty honest when he says that. And and that means that once you lock those four seamers in, you're absolutely right. None of them can back. Which is a problem because it makes it a really long tail. We've constantly said Ardik Bandia as a name because they need I was somebody. About to say it. They, <laughs> they, they need somebody. If this, I mean, this clearly, this is already an all-time great India team. If they want to make that next step up, that next little jump, I think they really do need a seam bowler who plays the Ben Stokes role, um, or even the Sam Curran role. Mm, um, even
2: because... the Sam Curran role. That's the, or even the even the Chris Wokes role. You know, you don't nec- you don't need someone who can bat well you just need someone who who can average 25 you know because and obviously all of these players all of those players they have hit like Shami hit a 50 in the second test but it's you know and it's not even that they need someone who can who can hit who can hit the runs they need someone who can stay there with the set batsman that's the thing can if they have to face out and over they can face out and over whereas these guys they, they're all kind of dashers you know and that's that's the way i do love seeing tail enders like that though i think it's the same with it's the same with uh, it was the same with watching england pakistan last summer was you got to Yazir shah Yazir shah can bat but Yazir shah is not going to be there for a long time he's there for a good time not a long time and then you get to nine, ten, eleven, nothing absolutely nothing and that that i i do love that we, we see less and less of that in the game these days these these you know Lower order people who can bat. No, I'm not a fan of it, to be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a lot to be said for it. You, you take the sort of Stuart Broad mentality of just go out and slap it a bit and pretend that you're a great batsman because you score a four every now and again. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. That, that And I think that they think the Chris Wokes role is Shardell Takur, who, by the way, it's interesting you said, oh, they need someone who can go out and hang about there for a bit, and average 25. I've just checked his test average and albeit off a very, very small sample size, 24.3. So there you go. That's the job, which is why that, that will probably be the two changes, especially because Ashan Sharma did not bowl well enough to keep his place in the team solely on that basis. Um, so you probably see a Shardell and Ashwin, seven and eight. It's still a long tail. It still doesn't look great. But as we've said, the Kohli mentality seems to be if the top six batsmen don't do their job, then you're not going to win. So relying on runs from the tail is, is never going to help, however long it is.
2: And I do think that's fair enough. I, I, I do think that kind of has been lauded at England quite a lot recently in the kind of, oh, we need someone in that eight role. Robinson kind of hasn't been trusted as, a, as an eight. Bess often wasn't trusted as, as being able to bat at eight, or it was kind of a bit, everyone's always a bit worried. But I, I in this case, quite a rare thing. I, I agree with Virat Kohli. If it's the top six's problem, if they're not scoring runs, they're the people in the team to score runs. So they should be able to score. And it's nice if the tail enders can contribute, but they're in the team to bowl. Primarily, the top six need to be scoring the runs.
1: Exactly that. I think that that just about draws us to a nice close with India. Should we do a quick chat of a little, little preview looking forward uh, to the next test? I've stopped calling it predictions because we're terrible. at them. <laughs> uh, but, but Glenn, how do you see the series progressing from here?
3: Oh Matt, I've been thinking about this as our discussion's been going on. When uh, when you've when you've seen me uh, kind of gazing just like into the distance, I've been weighing up uh, what's going to happen. Uh, do, if we know any weather, I don't know whether that's going to come into play. Hopefully it doesn't. Would be a shame if it does. Um, uh, Zach is giving it a quick check. It's for...
2: okay for this next test, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking in Leeds. If it's okay in Leeds, it's usually okay in London.
1: Um, I, I, yeah. I I can tell you from looking at my window in South London, uh, that there is a huge grey cloud cover- currently hovering over the Oval. Um, and to be fair, it hasn't moved all summer. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was up in Scotland last week and it was sunny, 20 degrees and sunshine, three days in a row, happy days, came back to London, grey, drizzling. So hopefully that stays off for the next test, but I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if we lose a day or so.
2: Sorry, my prediction, my prediction is I think I think England will win the next test and then it'll be set up for the finale in Manchester, which will be a washout because it's it's the second week of September in Manchester. So, you know, it's set up to be a washout. So 2-1 England overall.
1: Apparently it's due to rain on the Monday of the test, which is the day I've got tickets for. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, Glenn, what
3: do you think? I'm sensing a hard fought draw. I don't think either team wants to lose this. And I think if rain does come into play, that will really solidify that as well. I opened with that. Cause I think if there is even half a day affected, I think both teams are want to try and bat long. I think, I mean, after that first innings, I mean, Cody is going to be in all the batsman's ear, uh, probably himself, obviously himself included. And I, uh, yeah, I think I want a draw to really set up a hopefully dry blockbuster. Cause it's been a really intriguing series. Um, so that's my bet. I, I hate saying draw cause it really does feel like I'm, I'm on the, I'm on, I'm on that fence, but I think that is possibly the way it will finish some, some big scores, and I just really hope for England's sake that our openers can do the business again and just really get some consistency uh, as we look forward. But I think it'll be a really in- intriguing game. I mean, this is, the, you know, shoes on the other foot here. England were batted the first one. India have come onto the, coming into this one after, a you know, seriously one sided result. It'll be really interesting to see Cody fired up. I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I think a draw is probably a sensible prediction, but I'm going to go with that. Hope that Cody will be fired up. India will want Good a man. quick comeback. I think you'll, yeah, you'll probably lose a bit of time to rain That might just mean that you get a sort of slightly weird sped up counterattacking innings and, and somehow India will bring it home. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with an India win um, in this one. Uh, if nothing else, just, just to keep our predictions alive. Cause most of us, I think said two, one at the start of the series, which is just about on, um, which I think wraps us up uh, for this episode. Thank you again for listening we have we've graced you with many more terrible predictions so we'll be back in a week (laughs) after the next test and we can tell you all about how we failed once again uh glenn thank you very much for joining us
3: uh thank you so much thanks for hosting well did a great job zach thanks for joining
2: yeah thank you thank you thank you for hosting thank you for having me
1: yeah you're very well listeners we will see you next week